Welcome to The Investment Lawyer Speaks, a podcast by the Zemanski Law Firm, founded by Jake Zemanski, one of the top security lawyers in the country. Listen along as we shed light on investment scams, negligence, and share how you can recover your investment losses. Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Investment Fraud Lawyer Speaks a podcast produced by the Zemanski Law Firm. I'm Nancy Rapp from Paper Street, and I'm speaking with the founder of the firm, Jake Zemanski. Jake is one of the preeminent lawyers in the country for securities fraud matters and FINRA arbitration. The law firm represents individuals and institutional clients in cases against Wall Street firms for investment fraud losses. Today, we'll be talking about hedge funds. We've briefly mentioned this topic in some of our past episodes, which covered complex products and things of that nature. But hedge funds have many risks that are decidedly worthy of their own show. Hi, Jake. Thanks for joining us again today. Sounds good. Thank you. Jake, let's get started with talking about hedge funds to begin with. Hedge funds are often seen as a top investment choice for extremely high wealth individuals. What is the appeal to these investors? Sure. Let's talk about what a hedge fund is. It's a partnership of private investors Uh, The money is managed by a professional money manager who uses a wide range of strategies to try and and earn above average returns. A lot of hedge funds have superior research capabilities, research departments. They have, you know, superstar portfolio managers, and they employ complex strategies to generate high returns. For example, there are certain long, short hedge funds, they call them, where they'll use similar stocks. And in one stock, they'll be long, another stock, they'll be short to try and generate a return and to hedge against risks. So those are the type of hedge funds that a lot of these high net worth investors are interested in. As an example, uh, there are also activist hedge funds like Bill Ackman of Pershing Square and Carl Icahn. Um, What they do is they, they invest in businesses And they take an active role in the business to try and boost the stock price. They may, you know, uh, help them cut costs. And they often try and get uh, changes in the board of directors and in management uh, to change a company and make it a a more profitable one. Um, These funds generally have high minimum uh, investments. You know, sometimes 250,000 is the minimum. Sometimes it's a million. Um, and, you know, they're trying to get an exclusive group of investors who are experienced and have the money um, in case there are losses that, you know, they won't get nervous and pull out. Um, and they generally charge uh, an interesting fee schedule. They charge 2% of the assets. So if uh, if I invest a million dollars, they they get, t- say, $20,000, 2% off the top, and they get 20% of the profits. So if the million goes up to 2 million, they can make $200,000 as their profit. Um, so they're different investments and they're for people that are willing to take the, the high risk and also who have a high net worth. So there's an amount of prestige in the investments that may lead the investors to that as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of these, these uh, hedge funds have pretty good track records. They've done well in the past. The managers have been at, at, at great places like Goldman Sachs, or Blackstone, and they move over to a hedge fund. Um, So, uh, you know, I guess you're buying the quality of the people that run the place. Now, that being said, obviously, there have been some risks associated with these hedge funds, and some of them have gone quite badly. Um, You and I have discussed things like style drift, leverage, and liquidity issues as some of those top risks. 
Can we break those down for our audience? Yeah, let's talk about leverage. Um, what usually happens in these hedge funds is they use borrowed money to boost returns. Um, you know, uh, they may go to a prime broker or a bank and, and borrow money and trade sometimes three to five times leverage, uh, say buying stocks on margin. So if the stocks go up, you know, you can make three or four or five times the return. Uh, conversely, if if you're leveraged three or five times and, and the stocks go down or if there's a turmoil in the market, uh, you can have large losses. So leverage magnifies gains and it also magnifies losses. Um, you mentioned style drift. That That's an important issue for investors to be concerned about. You get reports usually quarterly from these hedge funds about what they're investing in. And um, they generally promise you something up front. Um, I'm going to do X strategy. I'm going to invest in, let's say, um, uh, technology stocks on margin or a certain type of, of junk bonds or high yield bonds or derivatives. Distressed debt is, is one that's used a lot. You, you try and buy beaten up assets, whether it's, you know, uh, companies that are close to bankruptcy or, uh, say, distressed real estate. And you're expecting that the manager sticks with the strategy that they told you they were going to do. If they change the strategy, let's say a distressed debt fund, you know, does something different. They stop doing distressed debt and, and they lose money. Uh, well, that's a problem because they've promised you one thing and they've delivered another. Um, if um, if they're telling you that they're going to invest in a certain segment of stocks, let's say oil stocks or um, commodities, and they change, uh, you're entitled to know that. And you're also entitled to get out if they're if they're changing the strategy. So style drift is a, is a big problem I see at hedge funds. What happens a lot is, uh, let's say the manager's going along and he or she loses a lot of money. Let's say they're down 5%. A lot of times they change strategy and swing for the fences to make up for losses, but that's inappropriate. You're not allowed to change strategies unless you get the investor's consent. Now, if that so, happens, if there is a violation, would that be considered a misrepresentation or a breach of contract? What legal grounds does that stand on? Yeah, there's two types of claims. One is, as, as you say, misrepresentation. I promised you I would do one strategy, but I'm doing something else. Um, it's also a breach of a fiduciary duty. Uh, these hedge fund managers are fiduciaries. They're supposed to act in the best interest of the client. They're supposed to follow the strategy that they said they were going to. Um, and if they deviate substantially, you know, they can make some changes. But if they deviate substantially and go in a different direction, um, yeah, that's a violation. Now, if they argue that it was for the greater good and the and, you know this is taken to court and then the investment manager says, well, I, I ended up making your money anyway, do courts more or less look the other way or will they still be penalized for that? Well, again, sometimes you say, well, there's no harm, there's no foul. Um, but um, generally, when we see these court cases, there have been substantial losses. I'll mention a few of them a little bit later on that we've seen uh, where managers go off the rails. And, and try something different. But they're supposed to stick to the stated strategy. They're given a certain amount of discretion, but they just can't, you know, uh, try something completely different. Otherwise, get into a new hedge fund. Mm -hmm. And then we said the last risk was the liquidity issues. Right. 
liquidity is important, an important risk issue for uh, hedge fund investors to consider. First of all, there's a lockup period. If I put a million dollars into a hedge fund, most hedge funds will not allow me to take any money out for about a year. Uh, you know, we call that a lockup. And then they have certain liquidity windows. So let's say I've been in a fund for a couple of years. Uh, I put in a million and I want to take out a couple hundred thousand. You've got to make sure you understand what what the windows are that let's say every three months, they're allowed to let some investors take some money out. There may be a limit. You have to put in a notice, uh, but you're basically locking up your money with a manager on a long-term basis. Now, um, uh, I mean, that's much different than, say, mutual funds, which are freely tradable on, on exchanges like Vanguard has stock and bond mutual funds. Um, so you need to understand the, the lack of liquidity in hedge funds. And a lot of times, if you sell and the hedge fund's down, you're going to take what's called a haircut or a loss on your investment. Sometimes when hedge funds are doing poorly, they put down, a, it's called a gate. Uh, they say, well, we're not going to let anybody get out. Um, and they most of the hedge fund documents allow them to put a gate down under certain circumstances. Uh, when they do that, it's, it's a sign of problems. So these are liquidity issues people need to consider. Now, we've identified the risks. What have been some of the biggest investment for cases that either you've handled uh, personally or historically we've seen with hedge funds? Okay. I'm going to talk about some of the cases that we've handled. We were involved in, in a very high-profile hedge fund blow-up in 2008 by Bear Stearns. Bear Stearns, um, which was you know subsequently taken over by J.P. Morgan during the financial crisis, had... Uh, one, a $1.6 billion hedge fund that collapsed. What happened there is, you know, we talk about style drip. They had a lot of exposure to subprime um, mortgage assets, which, which went bust in, in that financial crisis. So we, we got a lot of money back for investors. We went to arbitration cases uh, and, and got recovery for investors. Um, a couple others, we had a case involving the Millennium hedge fund. In this case, there was outright criminal activity. Um, you had a manager who was buying what were, uh, it's an odd investment, Nigerian oil warrants. Um, and what he did was he, he did a false valuation of the, of the oil warrants. He said that all these warrants, which are you know options to buy oil reserves, were worth, say, $3,000 a piece. They had an outside valuation service say, yeah, that's the right number. They were actually worth more like $30 uh, a warrant. So it was just an outright fraud. There was a criminal conviction. A lot of times you see hedge funds like that. We got a substantial recovery for investments. Uh, for investors, we did the UBS Willow hedge fund. That was one where it was a distressed debt fund and they, they, they switched strategies and went the opposite way. What we just talked about, a style drift. We were able to recover funds for investors. Just one more, there was a big blowup of a hedge fund called Amaranth, $6 billion blowup. They invested in natural gas futures and made just you know, outrageously risky bets and blew up the fund. So you see what these funds they do something, either there's fraud, misrepresentation, or they do something much riskier than what they told investors. Um, when there are blowups, um, 
we bring cases and we help investors recover. Breaking it down legally speaking for those who may not be familiar with the law firms, um, law lawsuits to begin with, if you are a person that suspects either style drift or something like that with your hedge fund, do you need to try to find if it's a class action or not? Or can you just try to file an individual claim? Well, that's a good question. Um, a lot of these are, are, uh, are class actions where you can represent hundreds or even thousands of investors. Um, the reason it, it's, it's, it's that way is it's very expensive and time consuming to bring one of these cases. Um, if you had a, a small loss, say $100,000, $200,000 in a hedge fund, you're probably going to want to be in a class action because sometimes it costs millions of dollars in legal time and expenses to bring these cases. If you have a very large loss, if you've lost $10 million or more, well, then you might have uh, you know, an opportunity to bring your own case. Um, so usually, um, if you're a smaller investor, you go in the class actions. If you're a larger one, you can bring your own case. You also may have a claim against the firm that sold it to you. If UBS or Morgan Stanley sold you the hedge fund, you can go to arbitration against them uh, for either misrepresentation or not doing appropriate due diligence. So either way, it's safe to consult with a lawyer and just see what your best options are from there. Yep. Um, yeah. So you, you talk to a lawyer and um, somebody like me can easily analyze it and say, you know, you have a claim against the brokerage firm, you got a claim against the hedge fund. And, um, you know, you, you review the documents, you see the performance reports, and you can figure out, you know, what went wrong. Now, Jake, you said in one of the cases you handled, there had actually been outright criminal activity. We've seen some hedge funds being connected to Ponzi schemes and insider trading as well, also criminal acts. What, what, what happened in cases like that? Okay, well, the most notorious one was Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff ran a Ponzi scheme. He raised billions of dollars uh, from investors. Uh, he created the illusion of having you know, an exclusive group. You're lucky to, to be able to invest with, with Madoff. Um, people would contact their friends and colleagues and say, I got this great strategy. It always makes 10%. Uh, he's got some great strategy going. With Madoff, as, as with others, you see that they target specific religious groups, sometimes ethnic groups, geographical um, locations, these hedge funds. Uh, in the case of Madoff, he was putting out false account statements showing a steady stream of profits. In fact, he never actually traded stocks. He was just making it all up. So there were numerous class actions. We were involved in some uh, with Madoff. There was a, a SIPC trustee who, who uh, sued all the banks and got recovery, feeder funds that were sued. So it was a huge mess. But that's an example of a hedge fund that ran a Ponzi scheme. We have also hedge funds that sometimes do illegal insider trading. Um, a famous one was... Um, uh, Steve Cohen, who's now the owner of the Mets, ran a strategy called uh, the SAC Capital. Um, and there were allegations by the, the government that they were using illegal inside information, knowing about you know, events that would take place before it was publicly released. One of their traders went to jail. Um, so um, it, it's actually also um, uh, in, in, the, in the show Billions. Uh, which a lot of people say is modeled after Steve Cohen. Remember Axe Capital um, and, and Bobby Axelrod. That's an example, if you watch that show, of hedge funds that do insider trading. Um, illegal. And when they find out, 
about it. If it gets to the regulators or if there's a whistleblower, you're going to see the hedge fund blow up. So that's another risk that you have. It could be a Ponzi scheme. They could be doing something illegal. Is there any like warning triggers for something like that? I mean, obviously the criminal activity is suspecting the person that you're dealing with. But like, for example, if there's like a low cost hedge fund to enter or something like that, are there any warning signs for something like that? Or does it really just run the gamut? It's, you know, they don't really tell you a whole lot about what they're doing. Uh, There's somewhat of a black box. Um, It's it's good to meet, you know, to review the quarterly reports that are sent to you. Sometimes you have an opportunity to talk or meet with the hedge fund manager and, you know, the probe, how are they doing? What are they doing? If something sounds a little too good to be true, it usually is. So maybe if you do some due diligence and you speak to the managers or, or if your broker can get you on a call with them, um, sometimes, you know, people find out that there's something uh, foul going on uh, and then they alert either the regulators or speak to lawyers about it. That's about the best you can do. Now, one of the common aspects that are in hedge fund investments are those that involve rights. What would you say to how are those regarded as safety wise? Are they a safe option for hedge funds or not? All right. We're talking about REITs, R-E-I-T, which is a real estate investment trust. And, you know, historically, a lot of real estate invest investments have done well. They invest in apartment buildings, shopping centers, commercial properties, and, you know, you as part of a read, you're part of a partnership, you, you can, you know, realize returns. If the rental market is good and, and everybody's paying their rent, you know, you may make 10% on a REIT. There are two types. One is private REITs and others are publicly traded. The publicly traded ones, um, you have much more information required by the SEC to make fulsome disclosures, not as much with private REITs. Um, there's a, a very um, important case that just uh, came out. Blackstone, um, which is a top firm, uh, had a a REIT called B-R-E-I-T, Blackstone REIT. Investors were uh, trying to get money out recently. This is a $71 billion hedge fund, and they were getting, you know, billions of dollars in in redemption requests. Um, And part of the problem is, you know, when you have everybody heading to the exits, like trying to get a couple billion dollars, they have to sell assets. Um, and, you know, it's not like selling stocks or bonds. In this case, Blackstone had to sell uh, two Las Vegas hotels they owned for about $6 billion to try and pay uh, redemptions. So one of the risks of being in a, in a REIT is if there are a lot of redemptions, they could be forced to sell illiquid real estate to meet redemption requests. And you may, you may get a very low price because it's a forced sale or a quick sale. So something else to keep in mind if you're a REIT investor. And then another aspect that's usually in, as one of the investment items that are in a hedge fund are private equity investments. They're targeted among either in the hedge funds themselves or just similar investments to those who are already in a hedge fund. What are some of the concerns with those? Okay. Private equity firms own stakes in public and private companies. They're, they're, they're always sold to high net worth investors. They're designed to be long-term holds. So Bill Ackman, as I mentioned, is, is a good example. Sometimes they'll, t- they'll try and take over a company. They'll try and kick out management, put in new management. Uh, maybe they'll spin off the assets. A lot of times 
they'll they'll go after a company that they think is undervalued and either you know try and pump the stock price up by improving the company or or they may they may split it up you know they're risky because you're not dealing with with publicly traded securities who who really knows what these companies are worth who knows how how well they're doing or how well they're managed so that's a, a, an issue uh, you got to make sure that these the private equity and some of them are excellent at analyzing companies and and some of them are not and they 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 may uh, pick out a dog and pay a lot of money for it those are some uh, of the risks there uh once again the private equity is a very illiquid situation you're supposed to stay in it for a long time hopefully it generates returns but if they start getting big redemption requests you know they're going to need to sell a company or or sell a stake in a company to pay off uh, investors that want to redeem. Interesting. Uh, lastly, Jake, I think a lot of people who aren't very familiar with investments here of hedge funds and then mutual funds. What are the distinctions between the two and is one safer than the other? Okay. Mutual funds are generally much safer than hedge funds. Mutual funds, um, I, I mentioned Vanguard before, they do a lot of mutual funds. Um, it's a, they'll buy a group of stocks. Uh, maybe a diversified portfolio, or they'll they'll concentrate on the energy sector or, or, or pharmaceutical sector, um, or, or bonds of different types of companies. Bonds have ratings that could be AAA or, or or B, and and sometimes what we call high yield or junk bonds. So mutual funds are fairly liquid; they're traded on an exchange. You know, if the markets are going up, generally these will go up in value, and and conversely, if the markets are going down. Uh, they can your 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 head, mutual, your head mutual fund can go down in value. You can sell it pretty quickly, either that day or within a day, and get your money out. Hedge funds, as I mentioned, are not liquid. They don't trade on an exchange, um, so uh, you need to be careful and you need to make sure that if you're going to invest in a hedge fund, I'm willing to tie my money up for a substantial period of time, a year or more, and um, I could lose a lot of money. I could make a lot of money. Uh, but it's uh, it's probably at the higher end of the risk spectrum investing in a hedge fund. So realistically, a hedge fund would be as a secondary source of investments. In other words, you're not going to lose your home or something like that. If, if you invest in a hedge fund, you need to just consider that you have assets coming in from elsewhere. Right. Um, we They actually are called alternative investments. Um, you know, so um, generally you want to make sure that um, you have a low percentage of your assets in hedge funds private equities or alternative investments. If, you know, if I've got 40% in stocks, 40% in bonds, maybe I could do 10 or 20% in a hedge fund, um, unless you're, you know, really a risk taker. Um, so it's it, it's important. Most people aren't don't really realize how risky these things are. So you got to make sure that you, you've got, a, you know, a relatively modest amount of your net worth in one of these hedge funds or private equities. You know, if an investor decided to do the somewhat safer option, a mutual fund instead, have you seen very big investment fraud cases with these or not as much? Well, we see some. Yeah, we, we see some where managers, um, uh, you know, deviate from a strategy or or, um, you know, make huge, huge errors of judgment. Um, so we, we do see problems, not as many in mutual funds. Um, I, I was involved in cases involving Puerto Rico bond mutual funds um, uh, from 2013 to 2021 that was uh, put together by UBS. 
they packaged closed end funds. And when the Puerto Rico economy tanked, uh, these were mostly Puerto Rico bonds and people lost 50, 60% of their, of their money in, in a Puerto Rico uh, bond fund, which they weren't expecting. Um, you know, closed end funds uh, uh, mean that, you know, um, you may not be able to get out of it so easily. Um, there's closed end, there's open-ended funds. So there's a whole variety of mutual funds. Uh, you got to read the offering materials, the prospectus to see the type of risk and the type of investment you're making. All right, Jake, thank you very much today. I think we learned a lot about hedge funds and why they may not be the best option for you if you are not concerned about losing your money. All right, thanks for listening to us today and we'll be back next time. Have a great one, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Investment Lawyer Speaks, a podcast by the Zamansky Law Firm. Please subscribe, rate, and share.